Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Extra Points on RF Sports Radio. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Scott King, creator of FootballExtraPoints.com, part of the Yard Barker Network. And on tonight's show, we're going to be previewing the Super Bowl that's coming up next weekend. Spend a little time on the Pro Bowl. And tonight we'll have a, a featured guest, Russell Baxter with the Bleacher Report. We'll be on a little bit later in the show to, to share his thoughts on the Super Bowl. So excited about that. You can call in anytime. The number is 323-927-2906. And we can get your thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup and uh, preview a little bit of the uh, upcoming game and talk about the Pro Bowl a little bit. Um, not as exciting a game as the Super Bowl, but we, we will touch on it. Uh, the Pro Bowl wrapped up yesterday with the NFC winning 62-35, to 35, another one of these blowout games. It's, it's hardly called football anymore, in my opinion, but uh, I will get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, some of the biggest highlights was just Saturday, uh, snapping on both sides of the ball which just kind of feeds into the fact that this isn't really a football game to me anymore. Uh, we had J.J. Watt with uh, injury to his hand, so I know Texans fans were probably pretty nervous that, that they're really premier players out there and, and could have been seriously injured. And, of course, there was uh, Trent Williams in a nightclub incident a couple nights before the, the Pro Bowl. So it's just really unfortunate that, that this uh, piece of the game is just kind of evolved into something that we don't really even know what to call anymore. So, anyway, we'll move on from that pretty quickly as not a lot to report. Uh, as far as the Super Bowl goes in New Orleans, um, the teams are, are in town. Yesterday, the 49ers arrived late in the evening into New Orleans. And today, we had the Ravens show up. And the teams are, are going to be obligated to a lot of media events, a lot of availability this week, and really it's about answering questions for the media, getting information out to the fans, and, and really just pushing the game as much as they can. You know, this is the marquee event. The, the NFL is king right now. It's the biggest sport out there, and, you know, Goodell and these guys want to push it as much as they can. So for tomorrow, on Tuesday, it's a big media day. We've got the 49ers coming out first in the morning. They'll spend their hour for availability, and then we'll have the Ravens after that. And, you know, it's interesting. Media Day has turned into quite an event. They they started letting fans in last year. Uh, they're going to let fans in again this year. And my only complaint, I guess, about Media Day is, is how they actually handled the media. 
And as somebody that covers this and, and covers football and spends time with it, it's something I'm always interested in taking seriously. And I guess the frustrated part for me is that sometimes this media day turns into a little bit of a joke. Uh, you have people that get media credentials and show up in wedding dresses and propose to players and uh, people just show up and ask random kind of crazy questions. And I understand that's part of the, the event, and I guess it just builds a bigger audience. But, you know, at the same time, it, it is a little frustrating to see that, that uh, that's what it's turned into and and a little bit of a circus. But I guess it's part of the game, part of the show, so that's fine. Get gets people out there. It's just not something I'm a real big fan of. So, anyways, uh, the teams will be practicing this week. I'm getting used to uh, um, the field there in New Orleans, and then they'll be getting prepped for the game and installing their game plan. And one thing they've got to keep an eye out for, you know, once you're in uh, in New Orleans is the distractions. There's always the stories coming out around the Super Bowl time when players end up getting out in town somewhere, somebody ends up getting in trouble, uh, arrested even. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but there's a lot going on down there, and every once in a while these guys can uh, can, can get a little off track. So hopefully that doesn't happen, and, and we have both teams at full strength heading into the game because that's what that's what we really want to watch as fans. Uh, you know, Super Bowl is one of the, the highest-rated shows around. Uh, you get a lot of casual fans that just tune in to see what's going on, and, you know, they want to see good products. The NFL wants to put out a good product. I know I want to see a good game. You know, the days of the 55 to 10 Super Bowls really weren't that exciting to watch as a fan, and we'd much rather watch, uh, I think, the 35 to 31 games or 28-21 games. So that's that's something we're interested in seeing. Um, so that's kind of the, the high-level intro of where everybody's at right now and with the teams arriving in town. And setting up, you always wonder what the mindset of the teams are. These these teams are, are on a little bit different track. You've got the 49ers, who were picked early on to have a good season. I was with Colin and it pop up right in here. Is there a caller? Hello? Oh, I thought we had a caller come in. Um, so this 49ers team was picked early on, actually by me, to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, I picked the 49ers and the Texans, which turned out to be about half right. So they had some high expectations all season, and that was a big thing for them, and that was something that they had to deal with throughout the season. And for the Ravens, you know, they were a solid team. I wouldn't say that I had really high expectations for them, Um you know, probably a playoff team going into the season for sure, but I don't know many people that would have picked them to make it to the Super Bowl, let alone win. So they've got a little bit different route that they've taken to get this far. They've had the um, they've had the extra game that they had to play, and they were able to pull that off. They, they went on the road and were able to win in Denver and in New England. So that's a lot for these two teams. So. Uh, you wonder what the mindsets are heading into this, this game for those teams in those two different situations. You've got the Ravens with uh, Ray Lewis heading to the end of his career. He's announced that he's retiring, so the players kind of have that um, sentimental edge going in that they want to 
win the game for Ray and, and send him out on top. On the flip side, we've got the 49ers, a young coach, young quarterback, kind of coming into their own with this new team, uh, a really solid young nucleus. You can expect them to be back several times. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, with the coaches being brothers, uh, it's gotten a lot of press this week, and, and they'll just continue to wrap up as we go. Uh, similar personalities in the fact that they're both intense guys. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is more outwardly intense. Uh, people say he's got a little bit of the crazy in him uh, in a good way, but uh, I, both of them, you know, very intense guys, brought up obviously with some of the same values as far as coaching goes. So they're going to get their teams ready in probably similar ways and and instill their game plan. And the thing that's interesting for me in these two two game two teams is that they're they're pretty similar. We'll be talking about that throughout the night and, and everyone's been talking about that. But you know, they're they're defense oriented team, run oriented team. Um, but they can they can both pass the ball. But uh, you know, Baltimore has been turning into more of a deep threat passing attack here in the later part of the season into the playoffs than they were earlier on. That may have to do with their new offensive coordinator and where San Francisco is more of a run first, but they do have the ability to make some explosive passes. So that's, that's going to be an interesting piece. Um, so you're, you're listening to Football Extra Points here on RF Sports Radio, and I'm your host, Scott King. If you'd like to call in this evening, the number is 323 323- Nine two seven two nine zero six, and we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl all night, taking um, taking calls, taking predictions, and coming up shortly we'll have uh, Russell Baxter with uh, Bleacher Report coming on to talk about the game and give his thoughts on a couple of items here uh, related to the 49ers and the Ravens. So I was just touching on you know, my thoughts on these two teams and, and being a little similar. If we want to start looking at the individual units for each team. We've got, uh, on the San Francisco side, on the quarterback side, you've got Colin Kaepernick, kind of a new wave, zone read, running quarterback, but who can throw the ball. And and that's really different here with this new wave of these quarterbacks that can run is that in the past you had quarterbacks that could run and their completion percentages weren't always that great. They didn't really have the touch on the ball. This next wave here that we've got in the league now with RG3 and Kaepernick and Russell Wilson and, and even Cam Newton, now they, they're better passers than, than have been in the past. On the flip side, on the Ravens side, we've got Joe Flacco, who couldn't be more of a pocket passer. He falls under that Brady, Manning, Elway. Uh, Elway is a little bit better of a running quarterback than, than Flacco is, but for, more pocket first wanting to throw the big deep balls down the field. And so you've got those two two styles matching up. Uh, moving up front to the offensive line, both of them solid offensive lines. San Francisco's been drafting their offensive line, building a solid line. They really made it a priority. And that, that's been a big, big plus for them. And, and I like the fact that they drafted early. Um, some fans probably question that whenever you draft a guard, uh, unless you're really into the team that doesn't look as flashy as a wide receiver or a quarterback or a running back, but that's how you build your team. And Baltimore, 
you know, they've they've built their their line a little bit on the run this year. They made some changes late, moving uh, Orr around McKinney, and it's really paid off for them. They've been playing some really solid offensive line this postseason, and that is a key to giving Flacco time to get the ball out. You know, I, I look at Flacco and his completion percentage as something I always key in on. It's something that's, that's pretty low for him um, or for the league. He's right around that lower 50% mark. But the more time you get in that pocket, the the more comfortable he's going to get, and he's going to get that percentage up. You know, part of it could be their vertical deep passing games. You don't always hit on those, which can be a problem, and lower that percentage. As far as the backfield goes, it's a pretty interesting group. You've got uh, Frank Gore kind of anchoring things on the San Francisco side. They've got a couple backs that can can shake things up. Ray Rice has been pretty Decent in the postseason. He kind of disappeared a little bit earlier on, but he's he's obviously somebody that can make explosive plays, so those teams kind of match up well. From a receiver standpoint, to move outside a little bit, you've got, uh, you know, Randy Moss is kind of a big name there in San Francisco, but he doesn't have a focal point in the offense anymore. He's just there more of a mentor and uh coach on the field, you could say that's really the value he brings. He'll make some possession five catches here and there, but he's not going to, you know, be running any deep routes anymore. Crabtree has really been coming into his own, I think, being with Randy Moss and, and getting some mentoring from him has really paid off, and I think that'll really help him out a lot. Tight end position. Uh, the edge definitely goes to San Francisco and Vernon Davis. I mean, he is becoming and, and has been for several years now just an amazing tight end, and, and that's really going to be uh, a good weapon for him going forward. On the defensive side, um, the San Francisco defense, get a lot of pressure up front. Their front sevens, you know, one of the best in football. Um, I think they're going to get a lot of pressure on the, the Ravens' offensive line and cause a lot of problems for them throughout the game. On the Baltimore side, they're a little bit older, more experienced. Uh, I think I called them old and slow in an article uh, before the championship game, and that came back to bite me. So I'll give them the, the props. They're, they're experienced. They know what they're doing. They know who they are. And I think that pays off big for them because um, they're going to be in the right spot. They know where their teammates are going to be. And, you know, maybe they're not going to make mistakes. They definitely slowed down the Patriots' offense last week and made Brady look like he didn't know what he was doing out there. And I think I talked about it a little bit last week. Those games that the Patriots lose, those big games, is when they get to Brady, kind of disrupt their passing game. They look out of rhythm. And that's something they're going to try to do this week. You've got a young quarterback in Kaepernick, and, and this Ravens defense is really going to, um, be looking to disrupt him and get him off his game. So it's going to be interesting to see how the the 49ers put their game plan together before the game to, to attack that defense. So that's uh, kind of a quick picture on the two teams. Um, you know, we've got the 49ers and the Ravens here getting ready to match up in the Super Bowl. If you'd like to call in and discuss the game here on RF Sports Radio. The number is 
One thing I wanted to talk about tonight also, you know, from the San Francisco side of things at the quarterback position is there's been a lot of talk in the last week or so about Alex Smith and him coming in uh, to the league as the number one draft pick, having some big expectations and really just never living up to him at all in his early part of his career until Harbaugh came to town. And there was a good chance that Alex Smith was on his way out um, when we were heading into the to the lockout season and, and the 49ers and Harbaugh was coming into town as a new coach. They didn't, didn't know what they were going to do. It didn't look like Alex Smith was going to be able to hang around much and he was going to get released and, and they were going to move on. But in reality, they ended up bringing him back and Harbaugh took him all the way to the championship game and he played really well. And that set him up to come into this season and be the starting quarterback from the beginning. And, and he definitely came in with that, that expectation on him. And in the background, they, the 49ers had drafted this quarterback out of Nevada who, who ran the pistol offense, Kaepernick, and didn't really hear too much about him as far as competing for the starting job. You saw him in a few wildcat packages. But when Alex Smith went down, Harbaugh didn't really hesitate at all to put him in. And, and that was the interesting part for me was that it wasn't like it was a hard decision or he was going to wait and see how things went. He just put Kaepernick in and, and let it rip. And that was really the interesting part. It showed that Harbaugh had seen a lot from him in practice, was really excited about having him on the team, and it has paid off big time. I mean, this guy is fast, he's smart, he's got a big arm. And he's just been a really, really big asset to the team. And in the background, you've got Alex Smith, who got one of these knocked-out concussions that the NFL is talking about as far as player safety. You've got to hold players out and um, keep them keep them on the on the sidelines until they get cleared. And as a result, he he lost his uh, starting spot. And that's just unfortunate now that you've got Alex Smith who's standing on the sidelines holding the clipboard because he got injured. Obviously, he got outplayed and showed a lot more from uh, to Coach Harbaugh in practice, and he lost his job, and he lost his job to a better player. He was the number one overall draft pick, got a huge contract, and so, I mean, nobody's feeling sorry for him in terms of, of his situation, but it's just unfortunate to see a player lose his position because of an injury. The benefit to him is he played well last year. He played well this year before he got injured. This is a very weak quarterback class going into the offseason and the draft. There's really not a lot out there at all. But he's going to resurrect his career under Jim Harbaugh and get himself another contract as a starting quarterback. And you know, hopefully that's what he's got in the back of his mind, but he needs to be ready to play in this game. I mean, you never know what's going to happen at any time. When you have a running quarterback like RG3, like Kaepernick here, he can go down at any time. And you never want to see a player get injured, but Alex Smith better have his head on straight and better be ready to play in this game because there is a chance that he could go in at any time. He, there was a playoff game a few years back with the Bengals and the Steelers and Carson Palmer got hit on the first or second pass of the game 
pull out his knee and, you know, cost them their postseason. So they really need to, to make sure that they're uh, got him prepared and that uh, Alex Smith is ready to step in. And he needs a, he's been holding himself up well, uh, keeping his composure and coming across as, as a true professional. And he's building for his next contract. And you've got teams like Kansas City out there that doesn't have a quarterback. Arizona doesn't have a quarterback. You know, I touched on that a little bit in my article. We'll be getting into it more as the preseason, as the postseason wraps up. There's so many teams out there that just don't have quarterbacks, and Alex Smith is going to be primed to get another spot. His career was resurrected, and he's, he's going to have a, a, another chance to prove himself in the league. Hopefully he has a bright future and, and does well. So on the, on the flip side, you've got the Ravens and Joe Flacco. I, I touched a little bit on him earlier in the show about his uh, completion percentage. I haven't hidden it on my website, and I've taken a lot of heat for it. I'm not a Joe Flacco fan. Haven't been. Um, haven't been since he came out of uh, Delaware. Didn't really. Um, didn't really care for him. And uh, and I'll touch on that here in a second. Looks like we've got a caller coming in. Uh, Royce, are you on the line? Hello, is there a caller? You want to come help me pack? Okay. I'll help you pack, but I won't nope. be able to go through the process for one. Okay. I thought we had a caller coming in. Um, so Joe Flacco uh, coming out of Delaware, going to Baltimore. Just never really been sold on him as, as an elite quarterback. I know that word gets thrown around a lot. I don't know that Baltimore was either. Uh, came into the last year of his deal. They didn't, they didn't re-up him, and he rolled the dice because he wanted to prove he was an elite quarterback. He led this team to the Super Bowl, and I've got to give him credit. He played well. He beat some really good teams on the road. I just can't. There's there's something about his gameplay that I just don't don't like. It's the, the low completion percentage. Uh, it's just a lot of these deep, just chuck it down the field balls, and that's fine. I mean, you connect on those, and you put up some big numbers, and it looks impressive. But, you know, they have those games where he just disappears. And if the Denver secondary, if the safety was playing back two yards deeper, he probably picks that ball off and Baltimore's not even here. But I'll give it to Flacco. Uh, I've been hard on him all season. been talking about his uh, play being poor. But he's doing great in the, uh, in the postseason. And we'll see what he does in the Super Bowl because this is the, the chance for him to prove he truly is uh, – Truly is an elite quarterback. Yeah, yeah, eight for nine. So, uh, looks like we might have a caller coming in, but I'm not getting them connected on, but that's okay. Maybe they'll jump on in a little bit. Uh, so, Flacco's got a chance to earn himself a big big contract, and no that's his motivation. Hello? Hello? Hello, are you there? No? Okay. Uh, he's got a chance to earn himself a big contract, and that's great for him. We'll see what he can do. Um, they've got some good weapons for him. If the offensive line can can keep protecting him, and Ray Rice can keep running the ball. You know, Torrey Smith is a great target deep. Uh, their tight end's pretty solid, and uh, Bolden gives him a chance to uh, get that possession type receiver. So uh, that gives him a, a pretty pretty solid look there on offense. 
As far as game plans and matchups, the, the two units I touched on a little bit before, they're they're built pretty similarly. I think if you look at the the San Francisco offensive line against the Baltimore front seven, I think San Francisco probably has the best offensive line in the league. Been impressed with them, like I said earlier, all season. I would give them the slight edge over uh, the Baltimore front front seven, and I'd definitely give them the, the plus mark there for keeping score on the, the D-line. As far as running backs, uh, you've got uh, San Francisco's uh, running back, Frank Gore, going up against, again, that Baltimore front seven. I think it'll be interesting. I think the running game, the running package in general for San Francisco is going to be uh, the difference. I don't think it's just Frank Gore. I think it's the whole package with the zone read, pounding with Frank Gore, Kaepernick, either the threat of running or actually running. I think the edge there definitely goes to Baltimore. No, I'm sorry, San Francisco. Um, Baltimore has had two weeks to prepare for that, so I think that will give them the best opportunity to defend this running attack and the zone read. So it'll be interesting to see, but again, I, I give the, the edge to San Francisco on the running game. From a passing situation, I think um, Kaepernick's been great this postseason. He's a young quarterback. They tend to get behind kind of early here lately in games, and they've got to be real careful about not doing that. Um, I think it was in the Atlanta game, San Francisco was three and out their first three possessions, fell behind, wasn't looking real sharp early, and they need to make sure that they don't do that in this game. I think Baltimore secondary, got Ed Reed back there kind of anchoring things, definitely give them a plus on that side of, of, of the game. Uh, hopefully Kaepernick plays solid to the game, but that's um, always, a, always a possibility. So that, for me, I give the edge on the offensive line and the rushing attack to San Francisco and the edge on the passing game to Baltimore and their defensive backfield. Kind of flip sides there from the Baltimore side of things. Uh, this is going to be a great matchup here of these two two front lines. You've got the offensive line, the kind of rebuilt offensive line at Baltimore against the, the really tough front seven of San Francisco. I think I'm going to have to give this one a push. Uh, I hate to do that. I'd rather give somebody kind of the edge, but I really think these are two. If I had to pick, I would definitely um, have to think about it a long time, but if I had to make a decision, I would go with a slight edge to San Francisco front front seven against the Baltimore line. Uh, they're pretty quick and, and athletic and strong, So, um, but it, that's that's a very, very close matchup. Uh, the running game in general versus the, the front seven. I'm going to go again with San Francisco. This one's a little bit little bit easier for me because of the linebacker situation. Uh, San Francisco's got one of the best linebacking cores in the league. I think that will allow them to attack the running game. And what Baltimore doesn't have that San Francisco has is a running quarterback. So they don't need to worry about Flacco doing his own replay with Ray Rice and taking it around the corner. I mean, that makes it a little bit easier for the San Francisco uh, linebacker to play the Baltimore running game. And these guys, Willis, uh, I mean, you've got 
two pro bowlers, I think, or however many ended up showing up after everybody called in, called out sick at that thing. But several guys named to the Pro Bowl. Uh, they're very solid, and I think they're going to have the edge for sure in the uh, in the rushing game in stopping the rush. As far as the pass goes, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but after all the trouble I've given Joe Flacco this season, I'm going to give him the edge. They've got a good mix of the deep vertical game with Torrey Smith. They've got uh, Bolden, the tight end underneath, Ray Rice and the running backs out of the backfield. They they do have a, a very potent passing attack, which, you know, in this league they can go deep and handle the underneath stuff where a team like New England that they played last week only plays the underneath um, passing game, and they don't really stretch the field. And that's one thing that, that black of cannon of an arm can do. So when you look at those the units, uh, I've given uh, San Francisco the edge four to two as far as matchups uh, head to head to head with the different units, and uh, I'll give my pick and score and uh, MVP here later on in the show. But you know from a from a matchup of the different uh, units on the team, that gives a good indication for me as far as who has uh, the stronger units going up against each other. So, again, I, I like the San Francisco offensive line over the Baltimore front seven, the San Francisco rushing attack. I also like uh, the San Francisco defensive front, but I give the edge to Baltimore in the passing defense and passing game, uh, passing defense because of Kaepernick's inexperience. He always has um, the risk of a young quarterback to throw three or four interceptions. And then also uh, Baltimore with their deep threat plus the underneath stuff, I uh, give them kind of the, the edge there. So that's kind of my quick shot here, the, the two uh, two units. Again, you're listening to Football Extra Points on our sports radio. I'm your host, Scott King. We're talking about the Super Bowl, getting ready for that. You can call in if you'd like to talk about the, the game, share your thoughts, 323 323- Nine two seven two nine zero six. For one thing, I also wanted to touch on a little bit in this game is, you know, the the familiar familiarity of the two coaches. Obviously, uh, the brothers that's been talked about all week, kind of leading up to this. This is the perfect matchup for the NFL. Get them that extra press. Um, Super Bowl is always discussed on all the news channels and all the kind of peripheral stuff, but you'll get uh, network TV picking up the story and wanting to run special with the, with the brothers. And and I think that's, that's interesting because they know each other so well. And I don't see these guys sitting in a room at night trying to outsmart each other because Jim knows that John knows what Jim knows he knows and, and try to do anything crazy. These guys both know who they are as coaches. They know who their teams are, and they know what they want to do. And they're going to draw up their game plan and go after each other. And there, there's not going to be anything too exotic. You know, you can always get a fake punt or a fake field goal or an onside kick like the Saints pulled on, on the Colts a few years ago. And, and those are always a thing. But I wouldn't expect to see, you know, San Francisco abandoning the running game and throwing the ball 60 times or anything crazy like that. They're going to line up and, and just go after each other. So it looks like uh, 
may have our, our featured guest for tonight, uh, Russell Baxter with Feature Report, is calling in. And we may have online. Are you there, Russell? I am, sir. Good evening. How are you? Great. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing terrific. Just uh, I heard there's a football game on Sunday and uh, <laughs> thought I'd make plans to uh, dig up a few numbers on it. Uh, I hear you. There was, there's one next Sunday. They, somebody told me there was one yesterday, but I'm not sure if it was televised. I, I didn't tune in too much on it. Well, they did all the digging up of the numbers yesterday. So uh, right. it, was, it is, you know, it is what it is. And, and uh, you know, I, I know some people have strong feelings about it. Uh, you know, there was certainly effort last night, you know, some sloppy play on part of the AFC, no doubt about it. Uh, but I was, I, I was making the point and not as a criticism uh, to to John Fox, okay, because the Pro Bowl is obviously an exhibition game. Um, but I wonder what it must stand like to be like on the sidelines uh, for the last two games that you coached, won a playoff game and won a Pro Bowl, and watch the other team score 100 points. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That that is that is true. That's that's not a, a good way to end your season and head into the off season for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I was just um, been going through kind of the Super Bowl and 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 some previews here and there. And one thing I wanted to touch on with you some is, is the uh, the offenses. We've got San Francisco kind of running this this new read option, running running attack with Colin Kaepernick, and Baltimore is more of the drop back, pocket deep threat, big arm um, passing attack with uh, with Flacco and. I touched earlier on the, on the switch from Smith to Kaepernick kind of midseason. I just wondered your thoughts on that. Did you have any thoughts on Alex Smith's play at the time he was released or, or replaced? He was having a really good part of the season. Um, you know, did you see anything in his play that, that made you think, wow, as soon as they get Kaepernick in here, Smith's done? Well, I, I was surprised by the decision, to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you want depth at the quarterback position, and, and when somebody's called upon, you hope that they perform. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh, is, and I know you've heard this a hundred times, he rolled the dice a little. And uh, it wasn't like Colin Kaepernick was spectacular every week. Um, you know, he, he had the good game, obviously, against the Bears on the Monday night. He followed up that up with a pretty good game, or I would say a decent game against New Orleans. Uh, you know, they scored 31 points, but they also had two interceptions run back off of Drew Brees. So it wasn't all him. And then laid a little bit of an egg at St. Louis, you know, where he had some problems. Um, and then, of course, we saw the incredible effort against New England. And a week later, they got, you know, wiped out by Seattle like everybody else did up in Seattle this year. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was a little erratic part to it. But I think the thing that's been impressive about them in the playoffs and it's 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 something that I'm always surprised more teams don't do. Um, obviously, they had their way with the Packers. You know, he runs for 181 yards, and lost in that 181 yards was the fact that Frank Gore had over 100 yards rushing. They ran for 323, fourth most in a, in a playoff game in the history of the league. Um, against Atlanta, now obviously he only ran the ball twice, once for a 23-yard gain, nifty run down the left sidelines, um, and the other one was a two-yard loss. But the thing that was impressive is San Francisco did not give up on the running game, even down 17-0, because they were down 17-0 in the second quarter. 
not 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. And you, but you, how many times have you seen a team, even down big early, that abandons its game plan? And San Francisco didn't do that. They wound up with 149 yards rushing. I know Matt Ryan had big numbers against them. And San Francisco's defense has been good but not great for the last five or six weeks. Um, but listen, I think I just think San Francisco can do a lot of uh, things here. They will be patient, and I think the Ravens will be patient as well. You know, Joe Flacco's had an amazing postseason with the eight touchdowns and no picks, but he's completing less than fifty-five percent of his passes. That kind of gets lost. It's been like big play or else, but that's okay because one week they're getting Bernard Pierce for a hundred yards rushing, one week they're getting Ray Rice. You know, both these teams are, are, are you know have a pretty solid foundation in terms of the running game and getting some big plays from their quarterbacks. Yeah, and and you're right. And they have, um, you know, they're very similar teams, obviously, with the with the court, uh, coaches being brothers. They have maybe a similar philosophy, but it's it's run the ball and, and be solid. And I think they're going to both stick to their game plan. You, know, you mentioned uh, Flacco's completion percentage. I, I touched on that a little bit earlier. And I've not been the biggest fan of Flacco, and I, I don't have an exact reason why, other than I'm just not comfortable with his play. But the the low completion percentage is something that jumps out at me because, like you said, it, it's a big player bust. And if the de- if the defense of Denver is playing back two more yards, you know that ball probably gets picked off, and we're not even talking about these guys. So, um, you know, they're kind of living on that deep pass. I don't know that they're going to change their game plan. So it's going to be interesting if they're going to have much success against San Francisco with that same uh, philosophy in the, in the Super Bowl, having two weeks to prepare the game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. These offensive lines are, are, are two pretty decent ones, one that's been built over the years, obviously, in San Francisco with a number of first-round draft picks like uh, Mike Upati and, and Anthony Davis and Joe Staley. And then another one in Baltimore that really was refurbished about, you know, just before the start of the playoffs, uh, you know, did some switching around and it's all kind of gelled for them. And, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, running the ball very effectively. Again, this is this is a little bit of a power football uh, in this day and age of a quarterback driven league that we hear all the time. Let's not forget that the offensive line is still the engine. OK, the quarterback has oh, to drive yeah. something and he's got to drive and. I think you know it would be nice to see maybe some of those these units get some appreciation over the weekend because they're certainly going to have their hands full with you know a star-studded um, a defensive team, both teams, just on names alone. I mean Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Alden Smith, Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Ed Reed. Um, I mean these are the cream of the crop. Okay, both these linebacking yeah. cores are are absolutely tremendous, and because they both play that three four, and they both come at you different ways. I mean, you know, take your pick. You're getting a lot of timely plays from the Ravens, and and that to me is going to be a big thing. That running game against Ray Lewis and what he does, and I, I'm I'm sure you've repeated numerous times. He has 44 tackles in the three playoff games, double digits in every game, and the key. In, it, it, on Sunday, without a doubt, is if Ray Lewis does get those 12 or 13 tackles again, is he getting them two or three yards from the line, or is he getting them eight or nine yards down the line? Yeah, and there, I was talking a little bit earlier about the, the difference between these, these front sevens and, and the, the rushing attack. You know, both teams want to run the ball. San Francisco 
brings that added element with Kaepernick and that zone read that that Ray Lewis and Suggs and these guys have to look out for, that Willis and San Francisco, they don't have to worry about that. You know, Flacco's not putting the ball in Rice's stomach and pulling it out and going around the corner. So um, it'll be interesting in the fact that that they they both want to run, but they want to run it differently. In my mind, I see them with with, uh, obviously different ways that they run the ball. No, I agree with you. I, I think without question, Baltimore's defense has more to think about here. Uh, there's no question because we have seen, um, you know, different game plans from 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 the Forty Niners. And uh, again, Atlanta took away uh, that, that little dimension from Kaepernick in the NFC title game, but he found a di- different way to beat him. And uh, you know, by the way, if, if the Atlanta Falcon, Falcons, feel free to cover a tight end anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially in the playoffs. I mean, Zach Miller and Vernon Davis, and even Delaney Walker had a 20-yard catch, as you know, in the NFC title game. You know, I was making a point in one of my my pieces on Bleacher Report, um, you know, and, and I'm not trying to take a cheap shot or anything like that, but I just find it ironic that a team that has arguably the best tight end in NFL history on its roster in Tony Gonzalez, boy, he must, he must have ate them alive in practice all year. You know? Yeah, that is interesting. I, I wonder if they were so worried about containing uh, Kaepernick and how do you play the run that they kind of left that, put a spy on him and left that middle part of the field open for um, Davis to just shred him. And and he did. He, he did a, a good job at that. Oh, absolutely. It was it, it was it was fun stuff. And um, uh, you know Vernon Davis, who had two magnificent playoff games last year. Uh, when the 49ers were in the postseason. He only caught one pass against the Packers. Of course, it was for 44 yards. So <laughs> Vernon Davis has had has played four playoff games in his career. You know, how's these for some gaudy numbers? 16 catches for 442 yards and five touchdowns. Um, that's about wow. that's somewhere between 27 and 28 yards per catch. So, um, But he was a big reason. And, of course, he one of the reasons he was open is because they stuck with the running game. And the other thing that's really intriguing, obviously we had a couple of frontline runners here with with Frank Gore and, and Ray Rice, but it's even more interesting the fact that in, in during these playoffs, especially, and especially down, and also a little down the stretch as well, I should say, we saw them both get their rookie some playing time. Bernard Pierce um, for the Ravens, Michael James for the Forty ers and don't be surprised if one of these guys makes some sort of big play on Sunday as well. Yeah, Pierce got a um, some good action in, in the playoffs here. Um, trying to remember if that was a, was that the Bengals game when well when he Rice had over he had over a hundred yards against the Colts. Okay, it was in the Colts. Yeah, okay. he had over a hundred yards against the Colts. Ray Rice had over a hundred against the Broncos, and then last week against New England, it was interesting. They both combined for exactly one hundred yards. So, you know, lost again. You don't win in this league being a one-man show. And Flacco's put up some terrific numbers. Baltimore's defense, by the way, the defensive unit, has only given up four touchdowns in three playoff games. But they're both, like the 49ers, they, they are getting their balance as well. And I think a lot of people are crediting that to Jim Caldwell now that he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, that was a big move. That's an interesting stat. Four touchdowns in, in three playoff games, and they played – uh, Tom Brady in New England, Peyton Manning in Denver, and mm-hmm. then obviously um, 
the Colts and, and Andrew Luck at home, but but that's impressive. That that's really yeah. Uh, and three of them, as you impressive. know, three of them came in the one game. So I mean, they held New England yeah. to one offensive touchdown or one touchdown period, and no points in the second half. Uh, the rape, uh, the Colts got a bunch of field goals. And, uh, you know, the score obviously is different, uh, you know, with the Ravens, you know, giving up those, you know, punt and kickoff returns in the Denver game, which, by the way, is going to also make this interesting in the fact that we have guys like Jacoby Jones um, and Ted Ginn in this game because we saw what happened to Baltimore's special teams against Denver. And uh, right off the top of my head, I think I remember seeing that the Niners are like, next to last in the league in kickoff return average in terms of stopping it. So, I mean, no. you know, I, I, this could be, this could be, a, this could be, I, I, I think there's two different ways to look at this. I think there's a lot of people looking at this could be a defensive struggle because of the defenses. Um, but, you know, these, these defenses have not been shut down defenses in the playoffs. Let's not forget that San Francisco has given up 31 and 24 points. Um, you know, right. Baltimore's defense in some ways has played a, a little better, but um, again, they're still getting the plays. Baltimore, if I also correct me if I'm wrong, has eight takeaways in these three playoff games. They, it, they didn't have a ton during the regular season, but of course, you know, in the ultimate brothers emulating each other, I don't know if you know this, but both the Niners and the Ravens have 25 takeaways this year, and both the Niners and the Ravens have 16 turnovers this year. Um, in terms of the regular I did season. Not know that. <laughs> and if you think that's really scary, Baltimore scored 398 points during the regular season. San Francisco th- scored 397. <laughs> well, I'm investigating, by the way, I'm investigating on whether the Harbaugh twins, uh, brothers, are actually twins. <laughs> are they the same person? I don't know. We'll find out. Well, no, I, th- I think they're different people, but they, you know, John might not be older as, as we think. But isn't right. that, and think about it. And remember, they both trailed at halftime in the conference title games, and both teams scored 28 points. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to touch on that also. The more impressive part is that they both shut out the opponents in the second half. And, mm-hmm. you know, that just shows the ability to make those in-game adjustments. And, and, I mean, you're playing chess against Bill Belichick, who's, you know, the, the greatest coach of the modern time or definitely the last decade. And Well, they, hey, listen, they give credit where credit's him. due. Give credit where credit's due. You, you can put him in the, the all-time conversation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, and – John Harbaugh made those adjustments on the road and was able to shut them out. And Jim did the same thing. Atlanta mm-hmm. was just rolling them early. I, I was shocked watching that game, thinking, "This, I can't believe this is going to turn into just a blowout." And like you said earlier, they they kept with the running game, settled in, and Kaepernick, you know, played well as that you know kind of ninth start, I think it was for him. And they both mm-hmm. make adjustments and shut them out. So it's going to be an interesting chess match. I, I mentioned, I think, before you came on, I, I don't expect these guys to be sitting in a closet uh, dreaming up totally different ways to flip their team upside down and, and throw the ball 60 times because they, they both know what they're doing. I, I think they're going to both come out and try to prove whose team can do what they want to do better. I mean, they, they know what's coming, and, and they're going to just drive it at each other. Well, yeah, I agree. And let's also, you know, as people well know, you know, they're 
they just played each other as 10. And I know Alex Smith was the quarterback and he got sacked nine times, but um, you know, obviously besides the, the fact that they know each other personally, they did meet on the field uh, a year ago on Thanksgiving in Baltimore, you know, a defensive 16 to six struggle. Um, but again, different quarterbacks and, and some different personnel, but uh, you know, obviously the wide receivers are, you know, somewhat different, although, you know, you know, Mario, Mario Manningham's not going to be here. You know, he's out, um, which is unfortunate. I mean, yeah. he had a chance to play in his second straight Super Bowl. And we obviously know the impact he made last year uh, for, the, yeah. for the New York Giants on their game-winning drive. So, um, but, you know, Randy Moss making a return to the Super Bowl. He's been there once, you know, they, with the Patriots when they fell short against the Giants the first time. Uh, but a lot of the a lot of similarities in these teams, and uh, you know, it's just so it's funny because you think about the Niners who haven't been to the Super Bowl in almost twenty years. I, I think people kind of lose sight of that, you know, so yeah. still caught up in the mystique of the, their five wins without a loss and Joe Montana and Steve Young. But it's been since nineteen ninety four. I mean, I should nineteen ninety four. There's a whole bunch of things I could tell you happened then, uh, but two things <laughs> right off. The, well. First off, the Baltimore Ravens didn't exist in 1994, right? Which is you know most entering. But 1994 was the first year of the salary cap in the NFL. Free agency started in '93. The cap started in '94. And then again, it's not like the Ravens have been around either. They've only ever made one Super Bowl appearance, which was 2000. And Ray Lewis was, was the MVP when they beat the Giants in Tampa. But you know a lot of their familiar faces, the Suggs and the Nadas and the Ed Reeds, these guys haven't played in the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah, and, and if you look at the two rosters, and you, you mentioned Randy Moss and Ray Lewis and Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick, some of these guys that you see and we're used to seeing, somebody's going to pick up another ring. You know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. are we going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick and his 10th start getting a ring or Joe Flacco, who's been, uh, you know, kind of a criticized quarterback, is he picking up a ring? So on both sides, it's it's good to have those stories, and you know, is this Moss's last game? He hasn't he hasn't announced it yet, or will he afterwards? And is he going to get that ring? So, yeah, it's 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 great, and it's got you know stories all all around. Well, I'll give I'll give you another one to mull over. Um, you know, obviously we've seen the the Bart Stars and the Joe Montanas and the Tom Brady's and the Terry Bradshaws and the Eli Mannings all walking away with at least two Super Bowl MVPs. You know, Montana obviously won three. Um, it's never happened in, on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, it's never happened other than a quarterback. But if by chance, Ray Lewis wins Super Bowl MVP. He'll be the first two-time defensive player to ever do it. And think about a way that would be it to go out in your career. Yeah. Well, if he gets 15 tackles and a sack and a, an interception, which he's, he's capable of doing, and they win, that could definitely hand him the trophy. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, um, are you, have you made your your picks yet? Have you have you posted that up? I certainly have, um, and I'm going to stick with what I picked um, way back before the season started. I actually picked San Francisco over Baltimore. Um, oh wow! Before the season started, sometimes you get a little lucky, um, and <laughs> I didn't pick a score back then, but I will now, and. Um, with Frank Gore as the MVP, uh, I have uh, San Francisco starting slow but eventually winning 28-26. Wow. 
All right. Well, that sounds good. I, I had San Francisco in the preseason, but over over Houston, so I'm still holding out hope that uh, that's hey, you're, hey, right. <laughs> hey, you're still you're still a putt away from par. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've I've actually got uh, I actually have the same kind of theory that the game's going to start slow for San Francisco, but they pull away, and I've got it 31-21, and I'm going to go with. Uh, uh, Kaepernick, kind of the the easy pick there at, at uh, MVP. Well, the, the odds so. are in your favor. I mean, we've had 46 Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and the quarterback's been the MVP 25 times. So, <laughs> right. it's a good way to play the percentages, sir. Right. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Russell. You, you want to? Uh, um, I know you have your own website, and plus your work obviously is on Bleacher Report and uh, your Twitter account. So, you want to let people know how to how they can see your work? Sure. Um, you, you can follow me on Twitter at BaxFootballGuru, B-A-X Football Guru. We have a lot of fun. We're, we're very interactive. Um, just don't call me any names, and uh, we'll, we'll follow you back, and we'll talk football. Uh, the, the website is ProFootballGuru.com, um, and you already mentioned a couple of the websites. I write, I write for Bleacher Report, Cold Heart Football Facts, Yahoo Sports Contributor, um, a, a slew of other things, and you can find a lot of that stuff on com, I kind of use that as my little bit of a way station where I keep everything there and some original material as well. And for people who are into Facebook, um, and I am, yeah, there's a Pro Football Guru page on there as well, which also features the features that I do. So uh, we, we've got all our bases covered. And uh, like I said, we have a lot of fun doing football. And, you know, more importantly, I really appreciate you having me on tonight. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It, it means a lot, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, be in touch as we get through the uh, the postseason and, and into the off season. and hopefully we're both right with San Francisco coming out on top. So appreciate you calling in, Russell. Right, have a good no night. No problem. Hey, by the way, is there an off season? <laughs> well, time as we well know, know there, never, there never really is now, <laughs> but no, I get your drift. But thank sure. you again, and enjoy the game on Sunday. Yep, thanks. You too. All right, well, that was uh, Russell Baxter. Uh, he was kind enough to join us this evening, and uh, he mentioned where you can find him. He's, he's very active on Twitter, I will say. That's where I was able to connect with him. Uh, always real gracious in, in responding and, and interacting. So he's a, he's a must-follow for any football fans on Twitter. So as we get towards the end of the show, um, made, made my picks there. Just to recap, uh, San Francisco 31-21 over Baltimore. Kaepernick, the MVP, um, expecting a little bit of a slow start. San Francisco seems to be doing that lately. So I'm going to touch on my extra point a little bit here as we get to the end of the show and talked about it a little bit earlier on with the uh, the Pro Bowl was played yesterday. And for me, I, I'm a huge football fan, obviously. I love football. I watch it all the time. I listen to talk radio all day long. I read what I can. I follow it on Twitter. I watch the draft every pick of the draft. I record and watch the combine. Um, I watch guys running around in shorts and tennis shoes and lifting weights. And, you know, I, I think I mentioned on an earlier show, I'm a Lions fan. I watched every game of the 0-16 season. But I just have a hard time watching the Pro Bowl. I, I really want to, and, and I want to tune in because it's football and guys are out there. It's it just, to me, it's, it's not a, about a game. It's just an exhibition. And every year we have the all-pro game, 
or the All-Pro team, and there's no game. Players are named to it. And I think the Pro Bowl is getting to that point where players are named to it. We have so many players that bow out because of phantom injury or they just don't want to go. Um, we're, we're usually down three, four, five, six deep before we get guys that actually show up to play. I think putting it in between the, the championship game and the Super Bowl helps, but still it, it makes it hard to watch. And I think um, one thing that was, that I've heard mentioned that, that I wanted to touch on was you know, just turning it into a skills competition. You've got the NBA has the three-point contest and the dunk contest. The NHL has a skills competition. Baseball has a home run derby, but their all-star game kind of counts, which is a whole different topic. I think we're probably a year or two away from the NFL naming an all-pro roster and then just bringing out and having the quarterback challenge and throwing it inner tubes and, and things like that because, you know, the Pro Bowl is just the one thing that the NFL's got to get figured out and they, they need to make it a fan experience. You know, it's in Hawaii, which is great for the players that want to go there. 99% of these players can go to Hawaii anytime they want. It's not a big deal anymore. You know, maybe 40 years ago or however long they've been playing over there, it was a big deal. I mean, most of these guys can buy their own island. So whether it's in Hawaii or whatever, it's probably more of an inconvenience for them. So, you know, I'm on board for phasing out the game itself, turning it into a skills competition, and and I think the NFL is probably heading in that direction. So that's my extra point there on the Pro Bowl. Um, as we to- head toward the end of the show, just uh, uh, let everybody know this Sunday, RF Sports Radio is going to be doing a preview show. Uh, there's going to be some more information coming out about time slots. It uh, looks like I'm going to be on there uh, giving my opinion for the game and, and kind of a uh, uh, preview right before kickoff. So we'll be on there. And as far as the, the game itself, you know, everyone's going to be out there watching it. Everybody's going to be paying attention to the game. You have those peripheral fans in wanting to see the commercials, and that makes it exciting. Gives your uh, family members and people that aren't really into football something to watch. So, again, I want to thank uh, Russell Baxter for coming on and sharing his thoughts and predictions on the game. And, you know, we've gone through the game. We're ready for it. And I think everybody's exciting to see a great Super Bowl. So, Again, I've got San Francisco coming out on top, and we'll see if I'm right. And we'll be back next week to kick off the uh, uh, off-season programs and talking about the draft and the combine. So, again, this has been uh, Football Extra Points. I'm your host, Scott King, and everyone have a good evening. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.